0: Welcome to Management and Mimosas, a podcast that aims to empower and grow a new generation of managers and leaders. We bring you our personal experiences, laughter, tears, and mimosas. We invite you to join us as we journey through leadership together. Cheers.
1: Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back for our next episode of Management and Mimosas. And today we're gonna talk about a topic that we've been pulling the threads on for a few episodes now, but from a different angle. And we wanna ask, are you the bad boss? How do you recognize the signs? How are you perceived by employees? And what on earth do you need to do if you are the bad boss? So the ladies and I had a really good opportunity to read over a case study um, from Harvard Business School where it talks about an employee, um, his name's Rob Parson, and his career at Morgan Stanley, which is a um, investment banker type position. Uh, I'll let you guys clarify for me. And um, his experience working at Morgan Stanley, coming over to the company, and really um, shaking things up because he was not part of Morgan Stanley's norm. But most importantly, um, he went through several interesting um challenges in the year that he was there in his first year that he was there, rather. Um, I would say all of them stemming from his manager, Paul Nasser. So we really want to poke today at the behavior of Paul Nasser and the things that he did or rather didn't do um in his role as supervising um uh, Rob Parson. So, ladies, that's that's the case study at a very high level. I'll let you guys throw in additional information as we feel it's relevant and part of our conversation. But let's start with right off the bat. What are your opinions of Rob Parson? Because we'll want we'll to level set our perspectives of him first before we start talking about Paul Nasser.
2: You could tell from the description in the uh, case study that he he was a high performing employee. He kind of revived a business area in, at Morgan Stanley that had been um, floundering a little bit. He brought in a significant amount of revenue for that business area. He had he had a really good uh, business and personal in some to some respect personal relationship with the clients and that helped skyrocket uh, that business area. However, it was well-documented throughout the case study that he was very much lacking on the soft skills um, and how he interacted with his internal um, peers and comrades within Morgan Stanley. Which totally went against the values and um, the mission statement and the vision of Morgan Stanley that they expected from all their employees.
0: Right, I agree, Jennifer. Um, and I'd also say, I guess, a little bit in in Rob's defense is that he came from a culture, right, that wasn't really built upon, um, you know, teamwork. You know, getting. Uh, consensus among the group right it was about bringing in the dollar performing building this relationship with clients right not really about um, an organizational culture really and really moving the organization forward you know versus, or vice just moving yourself forward so in order to bring in the profits for the organization um, and and I think that probably did have some disservice with joining you um, Morgan Stanley, because he that's not how he normally operates. I think I believe I said he had about over 10 years of experience, and all that time that wasn't a culture that he was accustomed to. So there yeah. was bound to be some, you know, bumps in the road.
1: Yeah. And I want to level set with everybody like, think the culture we're talking about, like, think um, what's the movie, The Wolves of Wall Street. Is that what it's called? So think something along those lines. And then you have Rob Harson coming in to Morgan Stanley, which has a little bit more of a softer touch than what you traditionally think about when it comes to Wall Street. Um, when you think Morgan Stanley, you think pomp and circumstance, you think um, blue blood, you think very um, Upper East Side. You know, and I'll put it out there, you also think white. Um, so what's really interesting is rob parson came from very very and this is not necessarily covered in the case study but he did come from very humble beginnings like blue collar background worked his way up from the ground up um very different background than his peers in morgan stanley and i think at a later point in time, in another episode in a time in the future we'll talk about I think Rob Parson would be interesting from an imposter syndrome perspective to think about some of his own challenges that he may have gone through and just our speculation. So we've talked about Rob. One of the things in the case study is that Paul Nasser, one of the senior managing directors at that time, Morgan Stanley, went out, had worked with Rob in the past, recruited him. Brought him over to Morgan Stanley, recruited him under the auspice of, hey, get here, make us a ton of money, help revive this business area, guaranteed promotion. It's going to happen for you. Um, And while on paper, Paul was making them lots of money, to y'all's points, he was also burning a lot of bridges um, and not making the partnerships internally within Morgan Stanley that he could have. And what's interesting is, as you read the case study, you read more and more information about how his manager Paul was well aware of the struggle and the soft skills, well aware that um, his he was not that Rob was not liked by his peers. He had received multiple complaints um, from his own peers that Rob was a problem child and that he was going rogue and that he didn't fit the Morgan Stanley culture but what you what we don't see is where Paul actually takes any action to try to re- rehabilitate um Rob's behavior in a in a timely and actionable way and that's what I really want to talk about today is that you know a lot of times when we're in the workspace and we're complaining about bad bosses I think all of us have hit this before. The biggest frustration piece is you as an employee is when you look at your management and you don't see them holding people accountable. And this case study is a a wonderful example of the lack of accountability around someone's behavior and things that could have been done to curb it. So from your guys' optic, what are the things that you think that Paul was doing um, in the case study from a just being a bad manager?
2: First of all, if you are not the sole decision maker on whether or not somebody's going to get promoted, it is a horrible idea to tell somebody that they're guaranteed to get a promotion. There are very little guarantees in life and a promotion is one of them. So I think off the bat, um, even before, you know, Paul, um, Rob was hired and him promising that and and that all came out of a conversation that um, Paul had with Rob about what his career goals are. He was like, you know, hey, um, Rob's telling Paul, hey, I have a good where I am. Like, what what's, what is the motivation for me coming to Morgan Stanley? So he talks about um, getting to that next level and how he could do it very quickly. Uh, and I, and I think that was a bad idea because it sets um an expectation on on both of them, right you know you had this man who was doing well at his former company and and probably had the same opportunity to to progress there. but Morgan Stanley has the name so to speak, and with promises of getting to that to that elevated level where where Paul wanted to achieve as well.
0: Yeah, agreed. and I think when Paul started getting all the complaints, right, from his peers, um, you know, people that that Rob worked with, he, there were instances in the case study where he would acknowledge them, but it was very sugarcoated, right? Well, you know, maybe you, I would have done it this way because I think there was some, um, a point in there where where Rob says, "Oh, like what did I do now?" You know, what didn't I get right today? It's like, well, I just would have done it this way instead of just sitting him down, being very, you know, to the point, um, saying, hey, like, this is our culture. You know, either you're going to have to get on board or this may not be the environment for you. And he never does that. And again, back to both of your points, the accountability was never there. It was almost like he was afraid or scared to have a real conversation, a real feedback conversation. And that's where we see, you know, that bosses and even like subordinates just kind of spiral out of control because everyone is afraid to have the tough conversations. And that is where I believe that Paul really failed Rob, was not having those tough conversations to help get him on the right track.
2: You're absolutely right. Just the lack of structured, informal, feedback and in some of those environments when he was given this pseudo feedback they were like out having drinks that is not an appropriate time to be telling somebody you know some areas of of where they need
1: to improve
0: right exactly
1: wholeheartedly agree what I think is interesting is that you know in Paul's responses to people about Rob is that he would say he's a great guy give him time he doesn't know the Morgan Stanley system yet um, but the problems were continuing. Why? Because he wasn't receiving appropriate feedback um, in a timely manner. And I think what's, it's mind boggling to me, to to both your points, that this gentleman would not have a direct conversation, at least per the case study, a direct conversation with the individual to say, hey, what the heck is going on here? Um, why, like, cease and desist on this behavior? He danced around so much of it um, by, you know, the great example is, you know, being called to calling Rob to his office and say, hey, like, go talk to so-and-so. And and for him trying to be very diplomatic about um, getting Rob to connect better with people where I'm like, it would have paid off so much better to just point blank have told Rob, hey, this is not working well, you know, this approach. Um, it's not palatable here. It does not mix with the co- organizational culture. Here's where you need to change and pivot. And then more importantly, here's how you go about making those changes. And then here's how we're going to measure your ability to actually change over time. Um, and let's, uh, and also then let's put some bumpers in place to make sure that or guards in place rather that as Rob's going about doing his business, that if he runs into a situation um, and he's, he's still being a jerk, there's at least some checks and balances in place to catch it quickly versus having to continually do this cycle of a roundabout conversations. And how many times, I mean, this is a good example, how many times have we
2: um, worked with someone and they've exhibited this type of behavior or they're just like, they, they have their reputation per season that they're, they can be difficult to work with. And the, the number one excuse is, Oh, they're, that's just how they are. Like, you know, if, if I can show up to work, how I am outside of work and I guarantee you it won't be the same results. And I feel like in, um in Rob's case, this is some behavior that is absolutely something that he could have worked on because he wasn't having these negative interactions with the clients. He chose to do this internally with his colleagues. So, had he been given that formal feedback, then maybe you know he would have been motivated to change that behavior to more align with the Morgan Stanley culture.
0: Totally agree. And I, I think I might have mentioned um, this story in a previous episode, but you know, I had to give some feedback uh, to an employee and he's been with the organization, I don't know, 15 plus years. And he told me what I, the feedback I was giving him was something he had heard for the first time. You know, although the reputation (laughs) had received him of, you know, he is X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, how is this the first time that you're ever hearing this when every person I talk to says the same thing about you? You know, and for him, he was just blown away that people would even think that of him. And then I'm, you know, I'm looking back now at my leadership, like, uh, we had a problem here. Person, this is the first time he's hearing this. So we really can't blame this solely on him. You know, this is a management issue as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And this is where I think it gets really interesting because oftentimes people get caught up with the conversation of, well, it's just a bad employee. Well, right. I'm putting on a positive hat. I know that's rare for me. Um but not I would I would hope not all employees just automatically enter the workspace as bad employees. You know, they're made that way. They evolve <laughs> into those behaviors. They don't come like you know, I again most people wake up every day wanting to show their best selves to the world. Um and a lot of it comes down to if you're are you a bad manager? Are you allowing Um, your employees to break each other in the workplace and if you are that's on you right and how much are you really paying attention to the inner dynamics within your teams the dynamics with people who work for you and how they engage with other components within the organization um you know do you have someone on your team that when they go out and deal with like a sister branch or another organization, it's this visceral, like, oh, please don't send me that person. And now how many times are you notating that to yourself? And you're like, oh, man. But are then are you taking that all oh, man reaction and giving that feedback to the individual to say, hey, um, you're not well received by others. Right. Let's figure out what we have to do to fix this.
0: Yeah. And I think those are those hard conversations that many supervisors and managers just don't want to have, either because they just don't want to make the time, they're afraid or just don't care.
2: I encounter a lot of people who they they just want to avoid confrontation at all costs. But I feel like if you're going if you're willing to take on a supervisor or leadership or management role, you have to take those bad experiences along with the good. I, I mean, I think anybody should know, especially if you have children, um, there's going to be sometimes you have to manage conflict and it's and it's not your mind doesn't have to automatically go that this is, you know, it's going to be like a worst case scenario. And I think, Danielle, the example you gave was was perfect, where people <laughs> were people um, don't even know that they're demonstrating bad behavior because they've been allowed to do it for so long um, and people
1: aren't willing to deal with it and what i think is interesting in this case study as well is there is an acknowledgement from paul of when he had worked with rob in a previous organization a completely different company that his behavior was the same and that he seemed to think by bringing him into the home instead of morgan stanley that some magic pixie dust was going to come out and a new employee was going to appear. (laughs) Um, And that that all that behavior from the past was going to go away. But again, I go back to that is feedback. That's the professional courage as a manager to show up and say, hey, you need to address X, Y, and Z behaviors. But then again, don't leave that employee out to dry come up with a game plan with them on how to address it. One of the things I loved in this case study, I don't know how y'all thought about this, was the performance evaluation process in the company, where it's a 360 um, evaluation process, which evaluates like your superiors chime in, your colleagues chime in, your subordinates chime in, like all across the board, everybody has a say on whether or not you were promotable. I thought that was freaking genius and brilliant. What did you all think?
2: I like that concept as well because um, in a in a lot of organizations, it's really just up to the supervisor, and and that's it. So that's going to hinge on whether that supervisor likes you or not, and. And especially in this case, you know, clearly, Paul, liked Rob, a lot, he was just wasn't willing to be candid and honest with him. Whereas the people giving that feedback were brutally honest with him. And the feedback was the negative feedback was pretty actually the positive feedback, too, was pretty consistent. They acknowledged that, yes, he does his job very well. He, you know, he generates a a good amount of revenue for this business area. But the soft skills just suck.
0: Yeah, agree. I mean, I, I liked it as well. I will say my heart did go out to Rob. I was like, oh, I started getting to the negative comments. Oh, they didn't hold anything back. I mean, they, they shouldn't write 360 feedback for a reason. And we should, you know, as leaders, managers, supporters, wherever we stand on totem pole should always be seeking out 360 feedback. So we can improve ourselves, but man, I was like, you know, all Uh, Paul had to do was have these conversations, right? And a lot of this could have been avoided. I was like, ooh, then that's a hard pill to to swallow right there.
1: I think what's interesting to me is um, if I were a manager receiving all of this feedback and especially because, I mean, you're getting lots of very detailed commentaries (laughs) on specific areas. If I were a manager receiving that about somebody who worked for me, Like, one, I'd be sitting down with, oh, shit, how do I address all of this? And then I would be doing some self-reflection of how did I epically fail as a manager that this person is perceived this way from across the entire organization? Because, like, this is atrocious. Um, And Danielle, I'm glad you raised, like, the compassionate piece there of, like, feeling bad for him, because that's that's where my immediate reaction when i very first read this case study several months ago was oh my gosh like how did this employee not turn around and say screw all of you i've made you you know right. billions of dollars at this point you know millions billions what have you um this is what you think of me <laughs> yes. um but you know setting that piece aside if i were paul i legit i would not be able to get past the fact that I epically failed at my job. If this is how other people feel about someone who works for me, yep. Yeah. So I would. I definitely did not
2: show any compassion when I was reading the comments. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, get his ass." You need to hear this. So <laughs> um, I would. I would feel the same, like um, as as you, with, if I were Paul. Just you know, I have failed him as a supervisor. You know, I will go back to thinking, like, I've promised this man he was going to get promoted and that's not going to happen. That's my fault. What can I do to fix it at this point and, and still keep my job? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because yeah, there are clear patterns of behavior
2: in the comments as well. Mm
0: hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if that was if that was how we did promotions in our organization? Oh. You know, oh, I would never miss a deadline on giving feedback if we had to do that. You know what though? I love
0: it. A lot of people would not be getting promoted.
2: (laughs) Right. The leader, the leadership at all levels will look drastically different than it does today. Hmm. That's
1: not a bad thing.
0: Food for thought.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So what I think is interesting is, you know, to kind of wrap up where you guys, or at least from wrap up from a case study perspective, is you know, that particular year, um, Rob Parson did not get promoted. He got passed over for promotion. And this is where, to me, it really digs and burns. And I have such major heartburn over this. Because Paul, rather than sitting him down and saying, Hey, just want to let you know you didn't get this promotion. We're going to talk about how to game plan for next year. This asshole took Rob out for drinks, went and watched a game at a sports bar with him, hung out with him for a few hours, and then told him, by the way, dude, not getting promoted, it's not happening this year. And then is like shocked and surprised when Rob storms out the bar and he doesn't see Rob for a few days. He doesn't show up for work because he's doing some soul searching. Like let's just peek, let's let's pull that part of, right, that, <laughs> that apart real quick. Cause um I would love to see either one of y'all to give you the feedback getting promoted at a bar. How would you feel?
0: I'd be pissed off. I was thrown out, too, because first of all, like, yeah, we can be cool, but I need you to separate the two, okay? Don't take me out, you know, for drinks. We're hanging out. You know, we're chopping it up, and then you're going to drop a bomb. Oh, by the way, you're not getting promoted because X, Y, and Z. Well, where were you as my manager? And and y'all can't see me. I'm doing air quotes here. And as my friend, right? Because now I'm mixing two together because we're in the bar, and then you're telling me as my boss, I'm not getting promoted. Oh, I'm pissed. I'm out the door as well, and I probably wouldn't show up either.
2: Yeah, I absolutely would explode. Like the police would probably have to be called on me. And he's definitely gonna (laughs) get a drink poured over his head because that that is nuts. That's not something, you know, I'm sitting here with you. We're chopping it up for however long time having these drinks. And I'm definitely gonna blame it on the behavior on the
1: alcohol. (laughs) That your manager bought you. Mm Mm-hmm, exactly. So- what ends up happening is, um, so Rob comes back into Morgan Stanley after being about out of the office for about a week. Um, he shows up very disheveled in the workspace. Everyone was very confused when they saw them, um, saw him because, you know, Rob tended to present himself as very well put together and flash and he showed up looking disheveled. He hadn't, you know, groomed himself in several days, um, Looked very stressed out. And was just very very upset. And he asked to meet with HR. So he met with the director of HR. They sat down and had a conversation. Um, reviewed his feedback. Had dialogue about it. Rob committed to HR. That he was willing to work on all of the things. That he needed to work on. To be a model employee. But he had the caveat of. He refused. To work for Paul Nasser Ever again.
2: What do you guys think about that? Spot on.
1: Yeah, I think
2: that's fair and, and good for him for making that those demands in order for him to remain employed there. It also lets me know he was willing to do what was required uh, to get prom- promoted, and he felt like he did not get um, the guidance n- necessary mm-hmm. from his supervisor in order to be on that path when he thought right. he was going to get promoted. Yeah.
1: And what I find interesting in all of this is that after HR spoke with Rob, they went and then had a dialogue with Paul and they asked Paul very bluntly, Paul, did you promise Rob a promotion if he came over here to this job? Um, Paul hemmed and hawed a little bit, but ultimately said, yes, I did. Um, And this is where, again, I've never worked in the investment financial world, et cetera. But freaking kudos to Morgan Stanley and whoever this director of HR was because they fired Paul. So Paul was fired for being a poor manager, for making promises that he should not have been making, etc. And then Rob actually went on to have a very successful career with Morgan Stanley for about another six or seven years, I believe, after this incident. Um, And from all accounts, had took all the feedback and transformed who he was and really became a model employee after the fact. So that goes to show you that feedback piece as a manager and your role in developing that employee is so deeply critical that we cannot shirk that responsibility. We really need to own that um, and live up to our employees expectations, but also our own expectations of how would you want to be, um, developed you know if so, if you were being a crappy employee
2: that that's so important even if the behavior is to an extent where in your mind you are like there's no way this employee doesn't know that they're a bad employee you still have to have that feedback because it they might not know right
0: right and in in, in rob's case that was just his nature and like you said chris so he came from humble beginnings he was not uh, from a culture Right from a background where his peers, colleagues, you know, were at with Morgan Stanley, right. So it's going to take time. He had to work at it. Something that just didn't happen for him overnight. Um, so, if given the opportunity, you know, which he was the second time around. I mean, look at what all he accomplished.
1: Yep. And so, what 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 are the things that you guys would impart on? Uh, potential bad managers out there to develop their own self-awareness of are they or are they not a bad manager
0: do a 360 feedback
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's a great idea also meet with your employees regularly so that you can kind of pulse status on how they think they're doing let them know how you think they're doing so that you're on the same page pretty much regularly throughout the year you know an extended period of time doesn't go on before um or they hear at promotion that they're not as good as an employee that they thought they were
1: yeah and i would think like you know sit down and write your your kpis your kjes your key performance indicators or your key job expectations um and when you're when you're writing those for your employees having that joint dialogue about are these achievable are they attainable and then are you also including language in there that's going to address not just deliveries but how that individual is expected to perform within the culture of your organization and does that employee clearly understand what does that mean and what's the type of behavior they're supposed to exhibit in order to you know, be within those cultural, um, parameters. And I think one of the other things, like on top of the meeting with employees and doing 360 feedback, it's also gaining perspective from those components that deal with your organization, you know, some, some, your customer set, do they like to deal with you? Because we can all have blinders from where we sit, you know, within our organizations and and with our live in our teams, that it may not always be so simple to see where you think someone's a rock star, someone else might say, think that they're just a complete jerk, and they don't want to actually deal with you guys. Um, But you won't have that perspective unless you step out of your space and go have a dialogue with those other individuals. Okay. Well, this was a fun conversation. I'm glad we got to review kind of a real life case study from somebody that we none of us know or we have any connection to. So that was a really good um enlightening way of using our our discussion time today. So, for all of our listeners out there, I really want to challenge you to take a moment after you've listened to this episode, sit back for a good 5-10 minutes and think about it. Are you the bad manager? And if you even think that you are, you are overdue for a conversation with your people. And I encourage you, you sit back and think, I don't know when's the last time I gave my team feedback. It's been too long. So sit down and start scheduling those conversations. And we hope that at the end of the day, you can self-correct and not be that bad manager. All right. Thank you all for your attention today. We've enjoyed this conversation and we'll catch you in the next episode. Cheers cheers, cheers.